Congratulations, Sam. In our journey with Sam, he has inspired me so much. I think he has much more faith than I have, choosing to follow Jesus. Um, this series is called Supernatural, and indeed, uh, one of the most supernatural, but also the most natural things we do as Christians is fasting. Uh, Sandy was saying this morning that often we don't think about the things we do as Christians of how weird they are, like baptism, that's weird. Fasting, that's weird. And um, so, yeah, let's dive in. Um, I'm Malaysian. Malaysians are obsessed with food. If you don't believe me, just Google anything about Malaysia and go to any articles. It's all about food. And if I plan a holiday, I will plan what I want to eat. And then I will arrange the itinerary according to it. Because you can't go somewhere without eating all the right stuff. Let us not waste calories by eating bad stuff. Life is too short for that. Right. So, um, so let me show you some Malaysian food that um, it's just amazing. All right. First slide. This is chakwitiao. Everyone say chakwitiao. Chakwitiao. Come on. Put your back into it. Chakwitiao. My husband loves this, and if you ever go to Malaysia, you must have this. Next is nasi lemak. Nasi lemak literally means fat rice. That rice is cooked in coconut cream. It's really yummy. Um, so. Malaysia is very multicultural, so our food, these are actually Malaysian national food, okay? So the first one was a, a Chinese food, and this is a Malay food. Next, we have sangyok men. Everyone say sangyok men. Oh, this is, this is so surreal. Say it again, sangyok men. Because this is not just Malaysian, this is actually from my hometown, and every towns in Malaysia have their signature dishes too. And that dish up top, is what we call stuffed tofu. So we take tofu, right? We dig a hole in it, and then we stuff it with meat. Yeah. <laughs> it's called yong taofu. We love it, okay? And then next, next, you will love this. So this is called roti tissue. So that is what it is, Ro tissue roti, right? Roti is bread. And it is paper thin, it's tissue thin. And, it is, and the competition is to see who can make the tallest one. It's crispy, very thin, and it's covered in sugar. By the way, we Malaysians eat all of these dishes for breakfast, or morning tea, or lunch, or afternoon tea, or dinner, or midnight snack. If we have an evening meeting at church, everybody goes out after the meeting to eat stuff like this. And last but not least, we have cha siu siu yok. Everyone say cha siu siu yok. This is roasted pork. This is another Chinese dish. Sorry, the roti tissue is an Indian dish, and this is a Chinese dish. By the way, last night I actually had fresh siu yok, roasted pork, a big slab of it, because it was not, not all me, like we shared it, um, because we had a Chinese festival. So, um, do, I, my point is, food is good, and I love food. I love food so much. And anytime God uh, thinks that I have an issue, he goes, right, how do I speak to Winnie about this issue? Ah, I'll get her to preach on it. <laughs> 
because then I have to study it and then I have to let the Holy Spirit convict me of it and then I have to practice it because I refuse to preach anything that I don't practice. So it has been good. It has been good. Um, so it is really ironic. Anyone who knows me to know that I'm preaching on fasting is a little bit funny. So fasting was so difficult for me as a young Christian. I remember when Tim and I were newly married. I was in my 20s. I was very enthusiastic for God. I, uh, I, I, I was very impulsive, and I lacked wisdom and self-control. I would make vows like this to God. God, I'm going to fast for 40 days for you. And then I'll go into day one by 11 o'clock in the morning. It's like, I need... I need my roti tissue. And, and, and then I fail. And then my husband lovingly would step in and he said, it's all right, you eat, I'll fast for you. I'm serious. Sometimes he would finish the whole seven days for me that I promised God. He's a very loving husband, very loving. There is loving and then there's enabling. All right, um, I'll come back to these vows of mine later, okay? Facts about fasting. Fasting has been a practice in many religions in, uh, all through history because it is actually, while it is a supernatural thing, it is actually a very natural thing to do, responding to God with our whole being, our body and our heart. It is uh, as natural a response as crying or laughing. Second fact, Jesus fasted. Um, after his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God um, descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. And this was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Third fact, fasting is also done for non-religious reasons. Health, weight loss, trend. You know, for so long, it is really bad to skip breakfast, right? Everyone says you must eat a healthy breakfast until the millennials came along and they love skipping their breakfast, so they gave it a name. It's now called intermittent fasting. <laughs> And it's very trendy. I, I, I do it too sometimes. And, um, and, and not for religious reasons. Um, so yeah, so um, also fasting can be done for medical reasons, before a blood test or before surgery. But that's not what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about Christian fasting. So fasting in the Bible, in the Bible itself, is always talking about going without food and drink for a designated time. In the Bible, when people fasted, that's how they fasted. So in Christian fasting, we always couple fasting with prayer. So if you're just fasting, you're not praying, then that's intermittent fasting, okay? That's a diet. But we couple it with prayer. By separating ourselves from our daily routine of fruit, food preparation, instead of cooking, instead of eating, I spend that time praying. And the hunger pangs, would reinforce our weaknesses and dependence on God. A friend I know, every time he fasts, he said, anytime I feel hunger pangs, I will pray. So it's his like alarm to pray. There are different types of fasting that Christians do. 
Uh, the first one is absolute fast. And absolute fast is conducted by abstaining from all food and water for a certain period of time. This is also known as a total fast. Um, there are several biblical examples. Moses and Elijah both did absolute fast for 40 days and 40 nights. Although the Bible says that only Moses and Elijah did it, most people today <laughs> would do it for a maximum of three days. Secondly, we have solid food fast. This is what I do when I fast. I will do one meal a day when I don't eat solid food, and I find it hard. So you must be thinking, she is so weak. No wonder God tells her to <laughs> preach on this. So a solid food fast is when it's okay to drink, but not okay water and juice and coffee or whatever. I don't drink coffee, but no food, no solid food, okay? Um, Actually, a lot of scholars and theologians believe that when Jesus fasted for 40 days, he actually did a solid food fast. Because look at the scripture again. It says, for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. It didn't say he became very thirsty. So uh, the assumption is that he fasted food. Um, I do want to give out a caution here. Um, do talk to, if you have health conditions, please do talk to your doctor. And if you are a child or a teenager, please talk to your parents because it can be very concerning. And uh, the third type of fast is partial fast. To fast simply means to abstain from something. So a partial fast is where you choose to abstain from certain foods or drinks or activities. The Bible tells us, this is very interesting, the Bible tells us that Daniel abstained from meat, wine, and lotion, grooming, beard oil for 21 days, no beard oil, crusty beard. All right. And um, so Christians who choose this kind of fast would abstain from, I don't know, makeup or social media, TV, computer games, hobbies. And the idea is those time that you spend doing those things, instead of doing that, you pray. Okay? Very good. Don't forget to pray. So, why fast? Now, in the Bible, people fasted for different reasons. Firstly, crisis. When there is a crisis, people fasted in the Bible. So, messengers came to tell King Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already in Hezazon Tamar. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. So often when we're desperate or there's a crisis, that's a great time to fast. But this is not a way to twist God's arm. It's like the teenager who says, I will not eat until you buy me the next Nike shoes. And uh, it is not like that, okay? Besides, if any of my kids do that, they don't eat. All right. Um, fasting influences God as much as praying does. It is coupled with prayer. So when we pray, does God always, does God change situations? Sometimes. So when we fast, does God change situations? Sometimes, okay? Um, fasting sometimes causes God to change the situations, but... Fasting with the right motives always causes God to change us within the crisis. Often within the crisis, we need changing in the way that we look at the crisis, we deal with it, and he gives us strength to go through the crisis. 
Next, in the Bible, people also fasted for repentance. So on the day Jonah entered the city, Jonah was a very special missionary. He went into the city of Nineveh, very, very wicked city. He shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they, de they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent his, this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds or flock, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. How, so that's Jonah and Nineveh, but that is in the Old Testament, okay? In the New Testament, Jesus came, took all our sin, um, died on the cross, forgave all our sin, and now all we need to do is to ask for forgiveness, and we're forgiven, we don't need to do things to beg Jesus to forgive us. We don't need to have certain activities to beg him to forgive us. He has already done so. Fasting for repentance today would be something like, I'm remembering what Jesus has done for me, or if I am struggling with a particular sin, um, gambling, for instance, I'm struggling with it. You know, it's so easy now. I'm, I'm quite appalled, you really, by the apps and how easy it is to gamble and how, uh, what a hook it is. And so if I was struggling with that and I would go into fasting and prayer, I would be saying to God, thank you, Jesus, that you have taken my gambling problem to the cross. Now, will you help me? Will you help me overcome this issue? Uh, next, uh, uh, the in the Bible, they also prayed when seeking direction and wisdom. So this was the early church. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So when we are waiting on God and fasting, he often sends direction, he guides us. So when making a big decision, that is a good time to go into fasting because when you are fasting, you're saying to God, I'm dependent on you and I'm expecting you to lead me. All right, next is for remembrance. So St. Athenasius, who lived around 300 AD, talked about rhythms within the church calendar. He says sometimes the call is made to fasting and sometimes to a feast. So I would think of fasting as Lent, that's before Easter, and feasting is Christmas, right? Um, Lent is the 40 days before, I'm so ready for Christmas, I really am. Lent is 40 days before Easter. Lent is a time for praying and fasting for many Christians. It's a spiritual preparation in which we remember Christ's temptation, suffering, and death. So uh, many Christians around the world would spend, would go into some kind of fast for 40 days um, before Easter. Uh, next, self-denial. Christians fast for self-denial. John Calvin, a theologian, said, with a full stomach, our mind is not so lifted to God because our mind's only thinking about the digestion. 
Um, and when we are fasting, when we are denying ourselves of all the yummy foods, we are saying, my hunger pangs is yelling, God, you are more important to me than triple chocolate Malteser cheesecake. <laughs> Quite specific. We need, and, and, and when you're fasting and denying your body, you are also saying, we need your help more than a triple Big Mac. There should be a triple Big Mac. <laughs> When Jesus was fasting, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus was hungry. And here was the devil saying, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus said, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus was denying himself and saying, God's word is more important to me than the Bible. So if you're fasting, God's, the Bible is more important to me than food. So if you're fasting your breakfast, you're saying instead of eating my yummy avocado toast, because that's what everybody eats, I will um, read my Bible. It is more delicious, okay? I deny my body to declare that my body belongs to God. I deny my body of pleasure to declare that my pleasure ultimately comes from God. And I fast to discipline my body so that its desires doesn't become a god to me. I find that when I fast, I get a certain, I experience a certain victory and freedom because I'm so obsessed with food. It's like if I'm fasting for five days, it's like the first day is like, <laughs> you know, it's really hard. And then the second day, it gets a little bit easier. And the third day, it gets easier. And at the end of it, I'm like, yeah. Um, and yeah, that my body doesn't control me, that God is my God, he is Lord, okay? So what does Jesus say about fasting? When you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they will ever get, people's admiration, the likes on social media, that's the only reward. <laughs> but when you fast, comb your hair, Wash your, air, wash your face, um, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, Jesus is not particularly talking about secrecy here. Because even in, uh, all through uh, the Jewish history, they fasted together, right? Everybody knew everybody was fasting. In the early church, they fasted together. Everybody knew everybody was fasting. It's about motives, Jesus is talking about the motives of our hearts when we fast. So, something to take note of. How long to fast? One day, three days, seven days, 40 days? You decide. God is not legalistic about our fasting. You must fast a certain way or else I shall not answer your prayer. <laughs> he looks at our heart. So, find a fast that works for you. Find a fast that's difficult. Um, all right, as I was preparing for this sermon, I, I put out a survey among our young adults, and I made sure that I try and cover the questions that they have asked through this message. Um, however, there is this one question that I thought I just want to address. Is fasting recommended alongside an everyday routine, or does a spiritual fast call for extra rest given the physical demands it imposes regarding food fast specifically? I would say that it should come alongside your everyday routine because you're saying, this is going to be hard, but I'm going to do it. 
You know, the everyday routine means cooking and, you know, I'm going to not do that. I'm going to pray instead or sitting there eating. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pray instead. So, and you still work because, you know, that, that is part of the sacrifice. But again, God is not legalistic about our fast. He looks at our heart. Find a fast that works for you. And failure is not final. Remember my vows? that my loving, enabling husband would step in. Um, I since learned that if I fail, I just needed to ask God for forgiveness and try again with a more realistic goal, and then learning to rely on the Holy Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit to fill me and to help me do this fast. Just like other spiritual practices, you grow with it. Fasting is hard for me now, but it is so much easier now than it used to be. Um, So we here had the, Dorothy ran the uh, Australian Conference on Neurodevelopmental Disorder. I I, I was, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, Uh, all right. So that was two weeks ago. And I told Dorothy, I felt very prompted. I told her I'm going to fast and pray for, um, I'm going to fast and pray for five days um, for this conference so that it would be a success. And I only did four days. My body just wasn't coping. And the ACND was a great success. And I'm very grateful that I got to contribute in this way. And because I have grown through it, I know that God's not going to go, what? You didn't do five days? (laughs) We should not go into fasting under pressure or guilt. We should choose to fast and ask the Holy Spirit, our helper, to help us. Remember, Christian fasting is always coupled with prayer. Ultimately, God yearns relationship with us, not the things we do. So he wants, to talk, he wants to talk to us, and he wants us to talk to him, and that's prayer. He yearns relationship with so much that he came to earth and um, experienced life like us. He grew up. He coped with siblings. He learned to obey parents. He, um, he got baptized. He learned to fast. He experienced the joys and the betrayal of friendships. And finally, he went to the cross. He took all our sin and all our brokenness, put it on himself, and suffered the punishment for it so that we don't have to suffer that punishment, so that we can be won back into relationship with God. And he was raised to life again three days later. And he invites us into that life the real abundant life, full of Him. That life is so good that not even this compares. Next slide. Do you want that or do you want Jesus? (laughs) The life that Jesus gives us is even better than that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us so much. And we do thank you for the gift of food. (laughs) We do love our food. And Lord, I also thank you that you call us to sometimes to feast and sometimes to fast. Holy Spirit, I pray that you teach us each on our journey of what it will look like. Maybe it's not even food. Um, whatever it is, 
God, I pray that anything that is holding us back from relationship with you will be able to take that and come before you. Thank you, Lord God. Holy Spirit, I thank you that no matter what we do, we never do it alone because you fill us and you help us. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.